You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Before we get started today, I wanted to send a shout out to friend of the show Jay Fratt. He tweeted me a picture yesterday, and uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out here. He says, I'll just leave this here. And then it's a screenshot that says old mortgage, number of months left, 317. New mortgage, number of months left, 240. Months off of loan, 77. Think about that. 77 house payments gone. Years off loan, 6.4. Total savings, $206,906.53. That's worth repeating. $206,906.53. This is what Jay saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He made sure to put in the tweet, Oh, by the way, my monthly payments went up a whopping $13. Thank you to Larry, Jennifer, Philip, and the entire team for making this decision super easy to go through cannot recommend looking into this info enough so there you go save with conrad.com save jay and his family two hundred and six thousand nine hundred and six dollars and in order to save that money and cut 77 payments off of his loan he's paying 13 extra dollars a month step one is to go to save with conrad.com step two is to do a quick application either online or over the phone and step three is for us to give you three or four different money-saving ideas. And once you finish step four and pick the right option for you, you're off to the races. It really is that easy. This is a real-life example of someone who listens to this show and then went to SaveWithConrad.com to take my challenge. Find out how much money you can save for free. It's no cost, it's no obligation, and you don't need perfect credit. So why wouldn't you do this? And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states, so we can help more families than ever before. So even if you've taken a look once upon a time into refinancing, it's worth another look right now. It was worth nearly 207 grand to Jay. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? You won't have to make your payment in July or August. You're done until September 1st. And come September, you've got a better mortgage. Get out of debt now. Keep more of your own money. Go to SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And, of course, the master of ceremonies joins us, the Hall of Famer himself, the founder of the Four Horsemen, Double A, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? It's Tuesday, isn't it? Uh, technically, it is Tuesday, and we are excited to be here with you on Westwood One, and that means tomorrow is a big dynamite day, right? Yes, sir. My favorite day, Tuesday, one of them. Wednesday is probably a favorite day, too. So, yep, looking forward to uh, Dynamite tomorrow. Uh, life is definitely getting better all the time. I'm very blessed. I guess uh, it's been out there now. We can uh, we can talk about it. You uh, recently signed a deal. You're going to be with AEW for two years, right? Uh, hopefully at least. <laughs> uh, luck. Sure. <laughs> Unless they give me the boot, but I'm on a plan on that not happening. Uh, very happy to be a part of that company and, and be 
part of their growth because I think they got legs. Um, they have a very bright future, and I'd love to be part of that. Yeah, you got you got some great news a while back. Uh, it was reported in the Observer that uh, buys for the pay per view that you guys did with the Stadium Stampede match on top exceeded expectations. So AEW continues to impress, and they made another impressive decision inking you and the cat's out of the bag now. And we got a ton of congrats on our social media, and we greatly appreciate you guys' support. We uh, obviously can't talk about stuff as it's happening but once it's out there then uh hey man let's take a victory lap and i hope that we get to do that at the end of today's episode we're talking about something that happened 10 years ago of course in wwe it's fatal four-way 2010 and that pay-per-view went down on june 20th at the nassau coliseum in uniondale new york it draws 10,000 fans and this is the first and only fatal four-way pay-per-view three of the eight matches on the card are fatal four-way matches I don't know that you and I ever really talked about that, but I know a lot of old timers prefer the one-on-one match. They don't like the, the three-way dance or the triple thread or the fatal four-way or whatever you call it. Do you remember being in a fatal four-way match in your career? Or is this something that became a phenomenon post your in-ring career? Yeah, I was never in one. I'm not a fan of having four in one night, as you can imagine. Um, if done properly and they're the only one that night, they can be exciting, but four of two of anything is just too much. Yeah. They maybe overdo it a little bit here. Uh, talk to us, you know, about your thoughts on the psychology, the psychology of a multiple person match. I mean, we just saw a few weeks ago, there was a little bit of controversy because uh, the women headlined the NXT takeover show and uh, Charlotte Flair lost the belt, but she wasn't actually pinned. Uh, Rhea took the pin and now we've got a new champion and Charlotte never lost in the process. I guess that is a way to, you know, uh, quote unquote, protect certain talent. Is that the reason you think these became more popular? You could, you know, say how look at all this talent in the ring, but at the same time protect a guy or, or, or are you not a fan of that concept? Well, l- l- let me just lay out the, some of the rules and some of the unspoken rules and, and let the audience decide. Okay. Okay. Uh, on a fatal four way, technically there are no count outs and technically it's a no DQ. Okay. Number one, four guys, if they're all fighting at once, which two are you going to watch? Right. So uh, immediately your attention is split. If you have two sets of guys that are fighting on opposite sides of the ring, the attention span is split. If technically, technically there are no count outs, then a guy can lay out there for what seems like an eternity and everybody on that side of the arena is screaming, get up, get up, get up, get up. If you're one of those guys laying there, that feels terrible as yeah. a talent. Um, so if there is no DQ, common sense prevailing, what would slide? What would prevent a guy from sliding under the ring right out of the chute and grabbing a chair and going to work? Right. Nothing. What would stop a guy from reaching under there and grabbing a wrench and going to work? Nothing. So it's supposed to be 
that we as creative have to make sure that we just don't push that envelope and hopefully the audience is not just sitting there going, okay, this is legal, this is not, this is perfectly fine, what are they waiting on? Because technically it could turn into a TLC match, couldn't it? Sure. Of course it could. So if you're sitting there and you're really in tune to the product, you're going, well, why don't they? Well, the idea is if, if, if just like as we're, was we're chronologically going through the matches today, that very first match could do all those things, but then what do you do for the next three? Right, right. So what you have to do is compare notes, sit down with the other producers, make sure that you're not doing two of the same thing and that all the matches look different. Now, that takes quite a bit of work if you're talking about getting four sets of talent all together during the day and comparing notes and getting those guys in the other matches to stick to their word and not doing anything extra. But as we know, the higher you are up the, uh, the food chain, the more things you're allowed to do sure. that you go back and talk to Vince in the afternoon, a little later and okay. So-and-so got this put through and, which you never hear about once you break that one meeting. What are you guys doing? And and we all separate and we go about getting our matches ready to go. You never hear about the ones that just got snuck in there at the last minute. But in the overall look of the show, it makes things look a lot different. That makes any sense. No, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that you sort of broke down the way that would work as an agent, you know, just trying to work with those sets of talent. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we're coming off of. As a reminder, this is fresh on the heels of the over the limit pay-per-view where John Cena retained in an I quit match, which we've covered in the archives, but let's talk about some, some company news as we head into the fatal four-way show. This is a big episode of raw June 7th. Uh, we see the invasion of NXT rookies on raw. It starts off with a match between John Cena and CM Punk. They go about 10 minutes when the NXT guys hit the ring, consisting of Wade Barrett, Darren Young, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, Michael Tarver, Skip Sheffield, Dave Otunga, and Daniel Bryan. They attack everybody. Cena, Punk, Luke Gallows, Hall of Famer Jerry Lawler, Matt Stryker, who had joined Lawler and Cole on commentary, the ring announcer, Justin Roberts, and other WWE personnel around the ring. They're just destroying everything ringside, including the ring itself which forces the match obviously to end in a no contest. But during the attack, Daniel Bryan makes some headlines when he strangles Justin Roberts with his necktie. And as a sign of disrespect, he spits in John Cena's face and eventually he gets released, uh, four days later. We'll talk about that, but the idea here becomes known as Nexus. Talk to us about the idea of there being an invasion, what you thought of the execution and just the concept of what they're trying to do here. Well, the idea was because these were kids from the school and at that, at that point in time, it was considered the school. It was not a strong brand with a television that was kicking ass every week. It was the school, but these guys were all young go-getters talented in their own way. And the idea was if they combine forces and you got Wade Barrett doing the talking, that's as formidable a force as you have in the entire company. 
And those kids were all very, very good. And this is one of those ideas that I that I thought was excellent, but got cut off too short, as usual, other than letting them go on a just a tirade for months and pile as much heat. You will know when it's time to give something back to the good guys. But pile as much heat as you can possibly pile on those guys because if you counted them, how many of them were there? Eight? eight? Yeah, there's a bunch of folks here, yeah. You know, and, and some good-looking good young studs. They should have been able to slaughter anybody at any time. And you're talking about an invasion. That's enough guys to have an invasion. And I just think it it got, and you know, when you immediately put them with Cena, you're going to have to give something back to Cena before too long because right. that's the, the way of the world, right? Sure. Well, they might should have went somewhere besides Cena first. You know, this is all in the planning stages. When you see that you have something that's, that, hey, damn, these guys look good together. Damn, they are good together. They're vicious. They're like a pack of wolves. Well, let's sit down and really look at what we have for these guys and, and, and think our way through this, and let's just see how much mileage we can get out of these guys. Because if they would have got red hot, they could have been attacking heels and baby faces. You know, that's just a what if. And uh, I personally thought it was a great gimmick, and we it just got cut off too quickly. Arm, before we get too deep in the program, we should remind everybody that this weekend is Father's Day, and now Mother's Day is in our rearview mirror. Lots of folks are graduating, and... Man, it feels like everybody I know was married in the month of June. Everybody's celebrating an anniversary. I mean, the, the Silvas, the Shivani's just J- June is a busy month for anniversaries. I'm telling you all this because some of you probably need a pro tip right now. Of course, you know, I'm talking about paintyourlife.com where you can have an original painting done by world-class artists, all done by hand, just from a photo. And when I first heard about that, I thought, well, that's a great idea, but it must be terribly expensive. How about this? It's not, it's truly affordable. And you get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo. In fact, I've done it from photos right off my phone. They have a user-friendly platform that lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. And you choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It really is a quick and easy process. And you get your hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks. You can do this with a picture of yourself or your children or family, a special place, even a special pet. And you can combine photos and you work to make sure every single detail is perfect. Makes the best possible birthday gift, anniversary gift, Father's Day gift. Dude, it's a real pro tip. This is not a tie. This is not a gift card. This is not flowers that wilt and die. This is a meaningful, personal gift that will be cherished forever. And when they hang this on their wall with pride one day, they're going to tell everybody who compliments it. Oh, so-and-so got that for me. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off. And oh, by the way, free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word ARN to 64000. That's ARN, A-R-N, to 64000. Right now, text ARN to 64000. Paint your life and celebrate the moments that matter most. By the way... Arn Anderson has one of these. I have one of these. My mom has one of these. Ric Flair has one of these. Eric Bischoff has one of these. Tony Schiavone has one of these. We are all believers in paintyourlife.com. Don't take our word for it. Go check it out. Paintyourlife.com. 
But get the special deal, man. Text ARN to 64000. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought it was a great gimmick and, and that, it, that it ended too quickly. But I feel like you made a great point that maybe we fans don't think about or talk about. Maybe you don't start with Cena first. You know, on the one hand, I understand that everybody says, oh, well, if you, if you have them attack Cena, well, they're definitely going to make an impression. But to your point, Cena's Superman at this point. So if you do something with Cena, he's got to come back on you. And that could cut your knees up from under you. You start and you build to Cena. You make Cena sort of the big boss, if you will. And he goes last, not first. 100% correct. So let's keep it moving. Uh, it's a great idea, but we should talk about what happens with Daniel Bryan. Um, this is the most talked about story of the week back when it happened. Uh, Meltzer would write Daniel Bryan became the, or sorry, Brian Danielson became the most talked about wrestler in the industry the past weekend after being fired by Vince McMahon personally on June 11th. Over the past week, the situation had been hugely discussed because of aspects where it seemed like a work storyline. In the end, the story seems to make no logical sense as to either storyline or reality. Either way though, Danielson was fired late Friday night, Eastern time by McMahon and creative and all the major company executives were said to have no idea. Anything was even brewing those. (laughs) There were those who knew that there was some heat on the angle itself because of the feeling they had promised sponsors, a PG show an aspect of that angle violated that promise. But nobody expected a scapegoat or a firing out of it, just that they would have to be more careful in the future. Most, however, thought it was a great angle. And as the week went on, ratings for NXT the next day were up, as were ratings for Raw the next week. There was no appreciable difference in house show attendance. All the major company executives were immediately informed, and moments later, the WWE website released the news. The point being, if this is a work, Vince McMahon is keeping it a secret from virtually everyone and lying to the COO, vice presidents, people in payroll, marketing, creative, the people in control of drug testing, etc. In addition, Danielson would be lying to his best friends, both in and out of the organization. Danielson has been vague on his writing about the subject, but he may not have known what he could and couldn't say without getting an unnecessary heat that would have hurt a possible return. While he had people in the company who were legitimately not his supporters, the general reaction is the wrestlers greatly respected his ability and he was a model employee. He got high marks for his interviews and his physical angles with Michael Cole and the Miz, which were far more believable than 98% of other WWE angles. Danielson at this point is already taking independent bookings all over the world with the caveat that during his 90 day non-compete through September 11th, he can't work on TV or pay-per-view. The belief is he can be taped on the July 24th Dragon Gate USA show in Philadelphia, which is a pay-per-view, but it won't air until after September 11th. The only companies he's outright banned from appearing for right now is TNA and he'll remain on payroll until September 11th. And then after that point, he's free to go to TNA. Now we know what's going to wind up happening here. Daniel Bryan comes back and becomes the hottest star in the industry and proves all the critics wrong and has a hero story payoff at WrestleMania 30, but boy, it's looking pretty bleak here in June of 2010. The rumor and innuendo we would hear as fans over the years is when he sort of freestyled the decision to choke Justin Roberts with his tie, that's what did him in. Is that what you guys heard as agents? Pretty much. You want to hear my opinion? Yes, please. Okay. Just knowing the way things are and the way things were, 
those guys were given carte blanche to go and destroy everybody right and and everything including the ring now you're thinking about this this is a television show and if you tear up all the announce tables and you tear up the ring you're going to have some serious dead time right right trying to repair all that to have the rest of the show but i'm sure these guys and daniel bryan included were told Man, go out there and get yourself over. Be a vicious prick. No one said, because at that time and right, and to this day, there's no such thing as choking. Right. And we can we know why. Sure. Don't need to go back and relive this, but choking. You now a guy can fall off the top of a ladder on top of another guy and blow that ladder. That's underneath him in half risking getting impaled and everything else, but you can't choke a guy like the audience is going to give you this tidal wave of backlash that it reverts back to something in the, in the terrible past. Right. I don't think anybody puts that two and two together to make four. That's just me. But the second it went down and no one pre-warned the guy, I'm sure he wasn't thinking about it. Choking had always been something that had been part of a heel's repertoire. It's just always was. It, it if done properly, it's it's vicious. So that went down before anybody knew it. The guy in the big chair saw it and probably went apeshit because there wasn't. It was clear. Not even grabbing a guy with one hand by the throat was allowed. But it was too late in his mind. So. I think the firing was a shoot. I mean, do you think this is one of those deals where he, again, I wasn't there. I've never talked to anyone about this. I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to push you in one direction or the other. I'm genuinely asking, do you think this is one of those deals where like we've heard, or maybe once upon a time fit Finley on an overseas tour, was just trying to get some heat, made a mistake with a flag and, and their local customs. And as a result, um, Vince fired him, but then he brings him right back. I mean, is this one of those sort of, Hey man, I know this was bullshit, but this is the way of the world. So I got to do this for a little bit, but I'm going to bring you right back, but I've got to do this for the greater good right now. Is it one of those deals or do you think it's a legitimate God damn it, Brian, you've got to be smarter than this. Well, number one, fit was not told we're going to bring you back. Fit got fired over something that they had done a thousand times at live events, which was live resistance right. interrupting the national anthem. When Fit, got, when Fit got fired, it was a legitimate firing, and they didn't bring him right back. He was gone for probably a year. Uh, which, if you're you know, if you're used to being in the spot he is and making the money he was making, that's a, year off that's a pretty deal. stout loss, isn't yes. it? Yes, substantial. You bet your ass it is. This was not a an angle. I think. He got fired off of the choking because of the PG product and what he thought. This was like a preventive strike. The Vince thought there was going to be this windfall coming. So he fired the guy. And the only th- reason Daniel Bryan was brought back is because it was such a, a lousy thing to do 
for him to be held responsible and lose his job over that when nobody told him not to do it. Most guys weren't even aware, you know, that, that that rule existed. They were all told, but it wasn't something that was right in, the, in their prefrontal lobe every minute of every match. You know, it, it could have happened, and it did happen, and I think that the only reason Daniel Bryan was brought back was because of the groundswell of the audience that were pulling for him legitimately pulling for him. They wanted the guy, he, they knew he got screwed and they wanted him back. And that's the reason he came back. And the only reason you've probably heard me bust orange balls a few times on the show about his hair. Uh, he takes some good ribbing about that, but it's not the hair on your head. That really is the thing that mm, is unsightly. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Well, listen up, fellas, because today we've got a new Manscaped product alert, baby. Manscaped just released the brand new Weed Whacker for your nose and ear hair. This is the trimmer you've been looking for. Take a look in the mirror, my man. I guarantee you're going to see some hair sticking out of those holes. And it's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as those clean shaven pubes. And here's the thing. We've all occasionally felt a little, little dangly do there and try to rip it out with our fingers. You want to talk about tearing up. There's nothing that makes you feel like a bigger wuss than crying. Cause you pulled your own nose hair. It's not your fault though, man. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. You need 9,000 RPMs on your motor. You need a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. You need the damn manscaped weed whacker. It's got proprietary skin safe technology. It's going to prevent all those nicks or snags. It's going to take care of all those tugs. Now your delicate holes are safe. It's been intelligently and contour designed to enhance the trimming experience. It's also waterproof, which makes it easy to operate and clean. And as far as I know, it's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery. It lasts up to 90 minutes. And I don't know how many noses you could do with that. Listen, here's the deal. I actually look forward to this. I know you're going to make fun of me, but I keep my weed whacker in my den on the bottom shelf of the chair by my recliner. This is real. I'm not making this up. And then whenever I think, Hey, it's been a few days. Here we go. My man. I absolutely love this thing. It works great. And this is just my testimony. I think I sleep better with, with my nose hairs being trimmed. Not only does it look better, I'm certain of that, but I think I actually sleep better. Maybe that's in my head, but I believe in it. And I think you should too. You've got to try this new weed whacker. It's legit. And oh, by the way, you get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. So upgrade your manscaping routine and get the damn weed whacker. And right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use our promo code ARN at manscaped.com. So thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our nose and our holes looking nice. One more time, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. What are you waiting for? Go whack them weeds, son. Well, there's other people campaigning for him. I can't believe this is real, but even PETA sent a letter to Vince McMahon saying they needed to rehire him because he represents the quintessential vegan badass. Uh, I mean, they even have a spokesperson out there who's uh, for PETA saying you got to hire back Daniel Bryan. So he does have a whole groundswell of support. Ultimately, he does get to come back. We know he's going to become a big superstar, but you got to feel like, I don't know, beyond bad for the guy when he gets news like this. Did you have a chance to talk to him? I mean, when you were watching this go down on a monitor, 
did you immediately recognize, oh shit, he shouldn't be choking him. Or was it something because there's so much chaos, you just missed it. I never thought about it. I was sitting in the back, but when I saw things melting down at gorilla and then I was backstage and from a distance, I was, you know, eyeballing this thing. I could see that it was a serious deal. And the blank look on Daniel Bryan's face told me he had no idea that he had done anything wrong. He certainly didn't do anything wrong on purpose. Right. He was just sitting there with his eyes bugged out of his head going, what did I do? What did I do? I mean, he wasn't, I wasn't, Saying that, that's if the VH1 uh, bubble popped up by his sure. head, that's what it would have said. What did I do wrong? I just did what I was told. So Vince in Gorilla is flipping out right away, seeing what's going down. Oh, when the ch- when he saw the choking and all that stuff, I imagine now I'm arriving on the scene late, but I, I saw how far this thing went, you know, destroying everything out there. You know, I went, wow, these guys are going to get some serious heat. This is a never been done before. They're basically shutting down production. Did you, um, it was written in the newsletter at the time that John Cena was campaigning to bring him back. And Cena even commented on his social media at the time that he'd like to see Brian back. Do you think John went to bat for him to try to get him back with the company? Well, I would hope so. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a good person and you know, sometimes the shortest route to doing the right thing is just do the right thing. Right. Does it take a you know a brain surgeon to figure out what the right thing is? The guy hypothetically made a mistake, but it wasn't something that uh, you know. It's like for for the longest time, chair shots to the head are gone. Right. And for a good reason. So, you know, it's not like he picked up a, a chair and milked it and measured a guy and hit him right in the top of the head and split him wide open with a chair. Then you got to be thinking, well, Jesus, you know, that took some thought. It wasn't just a reaction. Um, I'm sure he ripped the guy's shirt off. He saw the tie hanging there and he just grabbed it. It was just one of those things. It wasn't a premeditated act. Let's, uh, let's talk about some news and notes as we head into this show. Meltzer would write undertaker underwent surgery this past weekend on his damaged orbital bone before the surgery. Uh, we had heard that he would be able to return in eight to 12 weeks, but we haven't heard anything since it would still make sense to keep him out of action until SummerSlam. At this point, the plan is still swagger versus undertaker for the SmackDown title, but you can't expect those kinds of plans not to change 10 times before then let's talk about the undertaker here for a minute. You know, Meltzer wrote, I don't know, a few years ago that he remembers having dinner with a prominent WWE superstar in 97. And most people assume he's talking about Bret Hart and that the person told him that he didn't think Taker would be in the business much longer because he had such pain, you know, with his knees and hips and things like that. He was just beat up and he's a large dude. So you got to figure he's racking up the miles faster than some others. And that was 1997. You fast forward. He's still here in 2010. In 2010, did you think that maybe The Undertaker was winding it down? I mean, would you have ever guessed he'd still be here 10 years later? The one thing I've learned is is do not try to outthink a talent on when he decides it's his turn to return to the business right. or, or leave the business because that all lies in him. And, you know, you cannot underestimate a guy's ability 
to want to leave this business under his own terms and get himself well. We're the greatest rehab patients on the earth. When we get damaged and injured and we go to a doctor, if he puts a six-month window or a nine-month window on a recovery, if it's nine months, you can bet the guy's going to be ready six months. If it's six months, you can look at it being about four months. We are always ahead of schedule because you have to be. We're the product. Our body is the product that we're promoting and we're selling to the guy that signs our check. And we have no choice but to get well. It's not about milking and getting a paycheck and taking as long off as possible. If you're truly a top guy and you're truly a player, or even if you're a middle guy and you just take pride in your work and you want to get back as soon as possible, you will get yourself well. So I've never taken one of those comments that, hey, think Taker's done or, you know, any of that stuff to heart. <laughs> He'll decide when he's done, and that's his option and his option only in my mind. Hard to argue it. And, I mean, we see he's still doing his thing, and he's shown us he's uh, still very capable of doing that. I think everybody's enjoying seeing his story on the WWE Network, and I'm sure we'll talk about that sometime soon. Let's talk about Ted DiBiase Sr., though. He's going to um, undergo emergency neck surgery on June the 7th to free a disc pressing against the nerve that was causing him severe pain in his right shoulder and down his arm. He had a neck operation back in the 90s, which led to his retirement as an active wrestler where two discs were removed, and he still hopes to make a personal appearance uh, soon after this surgery in France that he's got booked. This is uh, not anybody's plan to have emergency neck surgery, but this is probably something that, uh, you're familiar with. Do you remember Ted having the surgery and, and what was the thinking going into this? Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, you, you get to the point in this business when your neck controls everything. Mm-hmm. It control, controls your entire body. When you get a neck injury, you know, the lesser, you know, the symptoms, the more you just try to get through the day, uh, whatever that activity is that day, you just try to get through it. But that that pain can get so numbing, and it's a dull pain. It's a dull ache. It's not a shooting pain. But if you've ever had a dull ache coming out of your neck, man, it is just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's chronic. It's 24-7, and it just feels like you're, you know, it feels like a toothache in your shoulder. And once you get to that point and you can't sleep and all these other things start to happen as a result from, from that neck injury, you pretty much will do anything, you know, to get rid of it. And if it means emergency surgery, so be it. Well, I'm glad that, uh, he got some relief here. Let's talk about somebody else who probably needed a little relief. It makes the observer that Vince McMahon showed up to TV with two black eyes and a cut over one eye that goes into his forehead. And nobody seems to know what happens, but everybody's whispering about it privately and Vince never addresses it. And, uh, most people say it looks like he was in a fight or some kind of accident. Do you remember, uh, Vince showing up to work a little worse for wear and and what was everybody thinking when, uh, the commander in chief doesn't quite look like himself. No, uh, you know, that that's another one of those things that slipped by me that I missed or, or I've forgotten or, you know, I, I don't remember that. If anybody out there has the info, though, or the skip, you'd love to hear it. 
Absolutely. We would. Let's talk about something you might be a little more familiar with Ricky steamboat. He's being taken off the road temporarily in Tampa, or I'm sorry. He's going to go come off the road and work in Tampa as a trainer for FCW. And supposedly it's a, a, a temporary position because the company hired Dennis Condry, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. You're familiar with both of these guys, Dennis Condry, one of the all time greatest tag performers ever, uh, and your old rival. And then of course, Ricky steamboat, you've even named as maybe one of your better in-ring opponents. What do you think about Dennis, uh, coming in to train? Why didn't it work out? And, and what do you think about Ricky as a trainer in this era? Well, Dennis Condry is one of the greatest workers of all time as far as execution, psychology, just just being a nasty cuss in the ring. He just was an all-around performer. So that was a loss, whatever happened, whether it be on his end or the other end, definitely a loss for the company. Uh, Ricky Steamboat is one of the best human beings you'll ever meet, and he's one of the best workers you will ever see perform. And to be a trainer and a coach, he can get through to kids because he doesn't talk down to them or talk at them. He talks to them and he explains, you know, the concepts of selling and fighting back and all those things. So that would have been a huge plus moving Ricky down to the school. Savewithconrad.com makes saving money fast and easy. Just ask Lindsay in Wisconsin. He left us a five-star review and said, super easy refi, probably easier than when we did this four years ago with a local credit union. Find out how easy it is right now yourself at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket at savewithconrad.com. Yeah, it's weird that, you know, years ago, I was wondering like, how in the world does Ricky Morton not have a spot down there? And uh, I was, if I'm honest with you, if we were under my radar, that Dennis Condry was ever there, but those are two of the like unsung heroes of wrestling. And it feels like if anybody could teach, you know, a younger generation, the little nuanced stuff that makes a performer special while wow, those guys are on the short list. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Ricky does have a school now. Yeah, he you does. Know? School of Morton cheap yep. plug there in uh, Kingsport, I believe. Right. I believe so. And I, my message would be to those kids, no matter what you do or what you think you know or what you want to bring to the table or think you can bring to the table, if before you leave Ricky Morton School for the last time, if you haven't studied just his selling and ability to fight back and get shut down and sell some more, his ability to draw the audience into that ring with him is something that is unique and special in all of the history of the business. Soak every bit of that you can in because it is so critical to what we do. Great advice. Let's, uh, let's talk about 2010 a little bit. Uh, we're, we're trying a concept on raw in this era where we're doing celebrity guest hosts. Uh, and that gets ratings uh, as we march towards this show on May 17th of 3.44, May 24th of 3.11, May 31st of 3.22, June 7th of 3.09, and June 14th of uh, a 3.43. I'm mentioning this because it feels like you see a trend 
uh, where they're going down and then randomly we're, we're back almost where we started a month later. Was that cyclical for the wrestling business? In your opinion, we used to hear that summer was usually a little softer. Um, or is this just maybe a sign that the creative isn't working or maybe the celebrity host thing isn't working? What would you take from these ratings? Maybe it's all of that. Number one, if you don't believe June is not the greatest day for live events or, or people sitting in the house watching wrestling when they could be out at the lake or the beach or any of that, you're crazy. If you don't believe that September is a month that parents out there have the responsibility of either buying school clothes or school supplies or paying tuition or whatever or going to a wrestling match, most of them will make the right decision and buy the school clothes and all the things that they need. Those have always been things you can count on in the wrestling business. It's nobody's fault. It's just a fact of matter. You have to make choices. And those two months are about choices. Um, so the live event business is usually down. And, you know, even television is down. That's people vacation during the summer. Um now the there's not I would love to I would love to have the fan step up, identify themselves, tell the truth that said, Oh gosh, I heard next week Bob Barker's gonna be the guest host. <laughs> I got I gotta get twelve tickets to that. Yeah. I'm taking the whole family in the neighborhood. Now Bob Barker is an American icon. He is sure. a treasure to this country. That doesn't mean having him as the uh, guest host is going to move the needle on what we do. You know, it, it's, uh, we've had a string of, co of, of hosts that come out and by and large, our audience was not there to see Hollywood people. No disrespect to who they are. They're big stars in their own universe. Not necessarily so in our universe. And what I've seen, and I feel terrible for them and bad for them, they get booed out of the building. And when these people are put out there with your baby faces and meant to make a positive reaction, you know, or, or a positive step in the show and they get booed out of the building, that's a bit of a disconnect. So, you know, not knowing what they paid these guys or, or, or whatever the deal was we thought we were getting, not too sure that's the smartest investment we ever made. Yeah. Hard to argue that. I don't remember any wrestling fan. I know, uh, looking forward to that, but we were looking forward to, uh, this pay-per-view let's jump into it. Um, I'm pretty excited to cover this one because, well, I just like talking more modern WWE, but also like running, you know, some of the results past you and, and getting your take on the different performers who are no longer there. Um, Kofi Kingston is in our first match. He's going to retain the intercontinental title over drew McIntyre. They get plenty of time, 16 minutes and 28 seconds. Meltzer would even say much more heated than you think and better as well. Uh, of course it comes with, uh, Kingston getting the win with the trouble in paradise for the pin. Meltzer gave it three stars. These are both going to be big time main event, WrestleMania main event world champions here. There are still figuring it out. They're, in, they're battling for the intercontinental title, but they put on one hell of a match. I loved it. What'd you think? Absolutely. And the intercontinental champion is pretty good prize. 
Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't suck. So they're in they're in a good slot and and you could tell these guys were were just getting their characters together and figuring out who they were and 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 doing all the right things and establishing a, you know, uh like uh Kofi Kingston was a guy that always had a ton of fire. You know, and he figured out that selling had to get plugged in there. And besides just the high spots and all the cool things he could do, you know, he needed to be able to punch you in the mouth. And, and he was starting to figure all those things out. Drew McIntyre went through a period of time where he got, if this is possible, he got too lean. I don't know if that's possible, but the guy looked like, you know, somebody that was walking into a, a uh, a bodybuilding show, an amateur bodybuilding show, and might have just leaned out a little too much. I'm not sure if this was during the same period, but, but I think that hurt him. But they were definitely on their way to getting over and uh, figuring out the business. And it was a good match along the way. Can't recommend it enough, especially if you're a fan of these guys today and what they've been able to do since. It's fun to go back and look at this one. Uh, next up, we see the Hart Dynasty tell Savannah they're not going to be distracted by Bret Hart's health woes because they have the Usos. We should mention before we started the show, Vince McMahon announced that Bret Hart will not be joining us thanks to the Nexus. Uh, <laughs> and then they uh, run a car into his limo. Uh, we've got uh, Alicia Fox winning the women's title in a four way over Eve Torres, Maurice, and Gail Kim. In this era, the women didn't get a ton of time. They get four minutes, or I'm sorry, five minutes and 47 seconds. Meltzer would call it a bad match and give it half a star. These four-way matches are complicated, even when you've got seasoned vets. But when you've got some folks who are still learning the craft, not saying that Gail Kim qualifies for that, but Maurice was was still very, very much in a learning phase here. It's... Uh, Maybe not the best way to, to sort of test their metal in a four way like this. It wasn't an awesome match, but they got some time here on the pay-per-view. What'd you think, Arn? I think it should have just been a straight tag. Yeah. And probably the best worker in the bunch at that time, Eve was starting to pick it up, but Gail Kim is damn good. Yeah. Gail Kim is way underrated and, um, I don't know. It's weird that we don't see more of her, but. I'm hopeful we'll get some, some cameos here or there before long. Well, I've seen her, you know, in the last probably six months here and there on different shows, she's still damn good. So hopefully, you know, the business could certainly use a talent like that and, and hopefully she'll make her way back to doing a few things before she's done. Jericho comes out next and he wasn't advertised on the show, but he does a promo where he says he's the reason everyone over 25 is still watching wrestling. He said that even Wade, well, easy for me to say, Wade Barrett <laughs> is getting more attention than the others. And he says he's the most important wrestler on the roster and greatest wrestler of the generation. And he said on raw that Evan Bourne used the shooting star press uh, press after the match. And it was unfair. So it's a late added match here. Uh, it's Evan Bourne and Chris Jericho. They get 12 minutes and change. Meltzer absolutely loved it. This is the match of the show. He gives it four stars. Uh, and the fans start off pulling for Jericho and they're booing, uh, Bourne heavily. But at the end of this, when Bourne gets the win with the shooting star press, it feels like we're, uh, we're making a guy, man. what do you think of the match? And, uh, why don't you think Evan Bourne is still in the WWE today? 
Well, I bet if you go back and you watch the match closely, even though the fans were cheering for Jericho, he wasn't catering to them. No. He wasn't accepting all those those cheers and all that stuff. It would have been real easy for him to just work babyface and just dominated uh, the reaction. But he, he stayed, you know, the course. He did what he does. He did a, a few rotten things. And before you knew it, you started pulling for Evan Bourne, who could do some incredible stuff. And he was a small guy, but man, was he athletic. Jericho would have been right there to catch him on everything. And, uh, you know, what turned out to be just an add-on match, I'm sure, was one of the matches that when you left there that night, you went, man, I enjoyed that match. Yeah. All right, fellas, you know what time it is. If we're talking to Arn, we got to talk about BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is legit, man. It's sweeping locker rooms left and right in the professional wrestling biz. But you've also noticed that, man, they're advertising with us every single week. What's up with that? It's because our listeners have learned this is legit. This is a game changer. I feel like a kid again. And you will too. Remember when you were always ready to go? Well, now BlueChew.com has the world's first chewables with the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. But because it's a chewable, it can work faster. And here's how it works. When you go to bluechew.com, you skip the in-person doctor's visit. And instead you work with a physician online affiliated with bluechew.com to make sure that they're getting you the right active ingredient and dose for your body. Once you have that, man, you get prescribed very, very quickly. It's going to show up in discreet packaging, which means you skip the in-person doctor visit. So it's cheaper than the other two. But in addition to that, you also get to skip standing in line at the pharmacy. You're done with that. It shows up in discreet packaging and it's made right here in the red, white, and blue chew, the good old USA. You got to try this right now. And here's the great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order for free. When you use promo code ARN, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E C H E W. And the promo code is ARN. But man, if you're looking to last a little longer, go a few extra rounds, boost that confidence, get your dick on the gas, son. We're talking about PEDs for your gimmick. Go to bluechew.com. Use that promo code ARN. Just pay $5 shipping. No, I mean, I think it's the best match on the show. I think the readers of the Wrestling Observer think so, too. Uh, let's get to uh, a recap of what's happening next on the show. But first, talk to me about Evan Bourne. This is a guy who was very impressive when, when I first saw him in Ring of Honor and some independent stuff. And it feels like he's impressed everywhere he went. But for whatever reason, he just hasn't become this breakout star. He can do some really spectacular stuff. What do you think has, uh, has held him back a little bit during this, this point in his employment? What do you think it was knowing me and, you know, just telling you the truth. What do you think was the knock on Evan Bourne? Well, I mean, you know, once upon a time, the WWF was considered the land of the giants. Would Vince say he wasn't big enough? Bingo. Didn't matter what he could do. If he wasn't big enough, now you got to go back in time. You know, that still goes on today. Look at your champion today. Look at your champion of a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. Look at who those guys were. And you can pretty much base what your, who your champion is on, on the way talent is viewed. Evan Bourne would have been considered, not by me. I've often said it's not about the size. It's about the performance. Right. It's, uh, you know, he would have been considered too small. 
It's a shame, man. Talented guy. Um, next up, we yep. see Kane explaining that the undertaker was found in a vegetative state and Kane vows to prosecute anyone who had anything to do with the undertaker's disappearance. And the next match is a fatal four way for the world title. It's Jack Swagger defending against big show, Ray Mysterio and CM Punk. Uh, Mysterio regains the world title here in 10 minutes and 27 seconds. It gets two and a half stars. Um, I don't know. This feels like a lot of stuff just sort of thrown together. I mean, obviously these guys have a claim for the world title, but talk about styles clash. This just feels weird as a four way. What'd you think? Yeah. And let me back up for a second. Isn't the undertaker always in a vegetative state? <laughs> yes. Until the bell rings and he kicks your head off. Yes. <laughs> when he comes alive, he certainly comes alive. Yes, he does. Yes, sir. I thought I'd cover that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's too many four ways as you, as you talk through the show and it gets to the point, you know, it goes back to where was the heat on the build to the match? Are we just throwing these gimmick matches together so that you had a, a pay-per-view full of fatal four ways or are you actually building towards stories and why these guys are in the match together? And you can, you know, the match can be decided and you or the guy you're fighting with not even be in the fight when the finish goes down. You know, there's so many things that go into triple threats and fatal four ways and all that. And just to put four talent in there, they really don't have that many things going on amongst each other. It's just taking away spots and psychology that you could have used in a single fatal four way that went 45 minutes and told you an incredible story, but used all of the things available instead of trying to spread them out over the course of a, three-and-a-half-hour show. This is uh, Ray's second time as world champion. Um, you know, we just had the whole size conversation about Evan Bourne, but then we're putting the belt on Ray Mysterio. Is it just because Ray is so unique and so special he gets a pass, or why do you think Vince was okay with Ray, but, but maybe not some others? He's just an example you go to. He is special. But, you know, the thing about it is it, – Every time I've seen Rey Mysterio win a match, if they had enough time to tell the story, whether it was Randy Orton or the greatest matchups of all time, him and Rey Mysterio in Mexico, Mexico City, I wish you could have seen it, Conrad. It was the classic example of the big guy bullying the little guy who you actually started to feel bad for Ray Mysterio, you almost wanted to just run down and, and grab him up in your arms or run out of the arena with him because he was getting manhandled so badly. But when he pulled off that victory, my God, the roof came off the place. Ray Mysterio winning the world title anytime is such a fan pleasing moment. It, it makes you feel good when you thought he had no chance, but you love him. Anyway, because he, he's not out there mowing guys down. He's not out there muscling guys around. Ray's using his whole body to chip away at everybody he's in the ring with. And finally, chip, 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 and boom, he knocks you on your ass. And it makes sense. And people believe it. It's all about the presentation. And anytime you can put the world title on Ray, 
and let him go out and just thank everyone for not giving up on him because he's always still in the fight. That's the one promise Ray Mysterio can bring until the point that he gets beat. If in fact he does, he stays in the fight. And as long as he can have that promo, people will continue to love Ray Mysterio. Cena does a promo next, pretty much guaranteeing that the NXT guys are going to do a run in later when he says that him and all the guys in the match have an unspoken agreement to work together. If the NXT guys interfere in the match and that brings us to our U S title match. The Miz is going to retain when he beats our truth in 13 minutes and 19 seconds. Um, Miz tries to do a rap, trying to imitate truth's voice and even using truth's, you know, ring entrance music. Of course, truth comes out. And there's a Miz is awful chant. That's pretty loud at some point. So he's definitely got some heat. Uh, Meltzer would say that the match started to drag and people lost interest. The finish sees Miz block a front cradle and sit back into it for a pin. It gives it two and a half stars or two and a quarter stars rather. And I agree with him. I thought it was an okay match, but maybe it was a little long. What'd you think, Arn? Same thing. You know, don't pull time just to pull time. Put it where you need it. You know, don't give the girls five minutes. You could have gave them seven or eight and let things slow down and tell a little better story. You know, it, it's spreading the time around. And it's as big a crime to give a match that doesn't need 15 minutes to give them that 15 when they could have done it in 10 as to give a match that could have benefited from eight and give them five. May not seem like a lot of time, but when you're trying to structure a match like a fatal four-way, Three minutes can help you out. Yes, it can. Let's keep it going. Get to the next match here. It's David Hart Smith and Tyson Kidd and Natalia picking up a win over at Jimmy and Jey Uso and Tamina in nine minutes and 28 seconds. Meltzer would say they were put in a death spot on the show. Uh, two and a half stars. Tamina's going to miss the super Superfly splash. And then Natalia gets up and uses a discus clothesline for the pin. So. Natalia pinning Tamina is our last look here. What'd you think? I mean, we, we've talked about how much we like, you know, Tyson kid, this is him teaming with Davey boy jr. To take on maybe one of the more underrated teams in history that for whatever reason, we don't hear a lot of chatter about. And uh, to me, the Usos, I think the Usos have been, I don't know, criminally misread by fans for a long time when, when the chips are down, they can put together one hell of a match. And I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm one person that can truthfully say I've, I've seen the Usos grow up from the first time Rikishi brought them to the building in Pensacola. Mm. I think it was probably for a live event and they were probably Oh my God, they were probably 14 years old, very respectful kids. And you just looked at them and you went, you know, if you know anything about the Samoan history and our business, I mean, there have been some incredible Island boys in our business and incredible performers, incredible people, good friends, good employees, you know, just good good people in general. And I looked at those two kids and how respectful they were. And I just thought to myself, won't be long. I'll be seeing them. And I kind of watched them grow up in the business, but you know, I think you're right. I think the audience, if you're not positioned from day one, if you don't walk out on raw or SmackDown, 
and get a resounding win and give me a little bit of well-placed verbiage either before or after the fact, after I think might be a little more effective, and just let me know who you are and give me a read on who this new talent is right off the get-go. Unless you're introduced the proper way, you're going to be swimming upstream. The uh, next match is for the four-way for the WWE title. It's John Cena defending against Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Edge. Sheamus is going to win the four-way and the world title. Uh, Orton gets a big pop at first. Edge gets some boos, but not as many as you'd think. Sheamus is booed the most. And of course, Cena comes out and he gets this typical mixed reaction. More boos than anyone, but uh, not more cheers than Orton. That's according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer. So this is the big show, and this is for the world title, and it's a John Cena match. I assume you were the agent for this one? I'm sure I was. Three-star match. Um, After this is over, Cena does an interview saying he's not mad about losing the title because that comes and goes. He was mad that these guys haven't earned their way into the WWE, and they're doing what they're doing. Of course, he's talking about the inevitable NXT guys who are going to attack and lay out the heart dynasty and Evan Bourne. It's, uh, quite the move here. You even see skip Sheffield, who we know is going to go on to be uh Ryback lay out John Cena with a clothesline. And then Wade Barrett would use the forward fireman's carry and Justin Gabriel hits the four fifty, and the NXT guys chase Sheamus to the back. It's, it's a scene here where we're doubling down on Nexus. And as a result, Sheamus is your world champ. What'd you think? So after you lose the the world title to Sheamus, then doing a promo about anything else to me feels just a little hokey. I mean you're gonna you're gonna lose the, the greatest prize in sports. And other than that being the focus of what you're talking about. I mean, what is there to say? I know I lost, but then the nexus to come down, you know, and beat the piss out of John, where were all the other baby faces? Did he have no friends? Right. You know, you go back and look at stuff that might've sounded and seemed, you know, like a, a great idea, but then you think it through and you go, okay, if John is going to do that tight promo and not be crying in his milk, okay, he'll get a return shot, you know, back at Seamus, and he'll make good on that promise if he does. And when he does, you've covered that part of it. But at least if you would have sent down some baby faces of consequence to try to help John, and it's just feeding that machine called Nexus, which, like I said earlier, you know, if you get them hot, they can be attacking heels and baby faces. They'll be a separate entity unto themselves. If they would have came down and tried to help, they being some baby faces and there been more carnage, it would have just made that thing um, feel a little more real, a little stronger, not like, does John Cena not have any friends? And that's probably how it felt in that arena. That being your top baby face, not sure that's a good thing. Let's um, let's talk about how you rate the show. The readers of the Observer gave it fifty-two point nine percent thumbs up 
only 24.5% thumbs down, 22.5% thumbs in the middle. What say you, Arn? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Well, it's not about the talent and how hard they worked and how much thought they put into everything. Or certainly the producers, agents had their hands full that day trying to compare notes and not do duplicate spots or duplicate anything, try to keep it all looking different in each match. But the fact is four of two of four fatal four ways is too many. It just is. And just to look at it on paper, you should be able to look at that and go, this is just too much, guys. I mean, let's just say you had four cage matches. Would that feel like a lot to you? Well, that's the thing. They routinely do that on these hell in a cell shows or elimination chamber shows or over in TNA, they call it lockdown. But the point is the same. It's too much, you know, moderation's the key to life, uh, is the old catchphrase. And yeah, I feel like this is just too much of the same thing. Well, you know, just because they do it don't mean it's right. Right. And if you have two ladder matches, two TLC matches on one show, that's too many. If you have two cage matches on a show, that's one too many. You know, gimmick matches are to serve a purpose, and it's for a blow-off of an angle. It needs to make sense. And if you do just continue to do gimmick matches month after month, oh, it's, I think you've said this last week, oh, it's a certain month, we need to do this. Yeah. You know, if that's what your thinking is and that's what your creative is and that's your brilliance, oh, it's September, we need to have this. No matter what else you got going on that may have flamed up on the TV show, well, you're just acting foolish. You know, you need to assess, stop sometimes, and just assess on who's getting over when nobody really planned for them to get over. It just happened, but take notice of it. Take these, you know, as just a rule of booking. And, you know, I don't claim to be a booker, but I have been around a lot of them and some of them that really knew what they were doing. The fact of the matter is, instead of having the five same guys go out and carry six segments of Raw or eight segments of Raw every Monday, spread that time around and Let's get to know some of this young talent and let them beat some other guys that can perform that haven't been on the TV show in months. But you know can go out and carry their end. Let these guys talk on TV. You know, Give them the opportunity to go out there and hit a grand slam or hit a dribbler down the, you know, right back to the pitcher. But that's the only way they're going to learn. It's the only way they're going to get over. And, you know, it's just... This business is based on each guy or girl that come through or woman that come through that shoot. You should look at them and look in their eyes and they should have a look that I belong. I'm a star. Let me show you what I got. And it should be a confidence and they should be able to step through those ropes and whatever they give you should be from them, not from some creative place. And uh, until you start spreading that around, you're going to have a limited number of guys that matter, and you're going to have a long list of guys and women that nobody knows who they are. And to have a locker room full of those folks, I'm not sure is the best way to keep your business fresh, keep your business fun to watch, 
and have enough stars on there that you don't get tired of seeing the top, top guys. The, um, the readers chose Evan Bourne and Chris Jericho as the match of the night. Would you agree? You know what? The readers are always right. Well, they're the ones, they're the ones that enjoyed it. So I agree with them. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode of Arn. It was fatal four way. And if you've got a question for next week's show, we encourage you to go ask it at the Arn show next week is going to be a Q and a episode. And we're excited to bring that one to you. Arn, we got tons of questions for this week's show though, about the fatal four way. I'll try to hit a few rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Uh, so Seamus edge, John Cena and Randy Orton in the nicest way possible. One of these feels not like the other, right? What says the enforcer? Yeah, this is something that we got a lot in the comments. I feel like a lot of fans are sort of down on Seamus. And I think some of that is probably because they feel like Seamus was quote unquote pushed down our throats. So much like those same fans probably feel about Roman Reigns, they probably put Seamus in that same category. You know him differently than fans do. What's your take on Seamus and the way fans maybe turn their back on his push so early? Well, I mean, that's true and not true. If you don't come out with a guy and right out of the shoot, let the audience know, hey, this is a guy we're going to go with. Right. And he, he's going to be successful right out of the get-go then, you know, a lot of times guys won't get over. You know, I, I believe in bringing a guy out for the first time and have him make an impression. So not sure I agree with that. I think he did fit in that group of guys. It was just going to take him a little while for you to go back and go a couple of months later and go, well, I guess this guy has got something. You're going to go through that. Who is this guy? Why are they pushing him so hard? You know, in a, in a company full of stars, he's not necessarily the biggest, the baddest, the best looking, but Hey, in time, if he earns his place through his work, then you go back and go, well, I guess I was wrong about this guy. I'm so glad that we had this discussion because it feels like a lot of people are sort of torn about it. Let me read you a few comments. This comes from concussed Jones. He says, I never saw Kofi Kingston as a main eventer. Now, hang on. I know we're talking about Seamus, but just let me finish the thought here. Not because of his talent, but because of the way he was presented. Did you ever think he would get over the way he did? His career didn't seem to be going anywhere until those couple of months before WrestleMania. Now this is a question from concussed Jones, but it really ties back into what we're talking about because of the way he was presented. And here's another example of that same thing. The book shoot says, do you think Seamus was pushed too hard too soon? Or do you believe in the bring him in as a main eventer? And he'll be a main eventer mentality. And if he doesn't have it, you'll see pretty quickly. Right. You know, you know, guys will come out or women and they will bear their souls and you'll know what you have pretty quickly. As long as they have an opponent that they can have a match with and they have enough time and they have enough interview time, it won't take long to see whether they have it or not. I always knew Kofi was going to be one of those guys that at least would be in the upper middle and always have a job. And there's a place for those guys. There's a prominent place in the business. That wasn't enough for Kofi and he just kept working and his work just got better. And he was such a dependable, uh, you know, employee and always on time and willing to do all the things that he needed to do to get better. He would listen, He you, you could coach Kofi 
and he would say thank you very much and go out and try to plug in what you you told him I don't think anyone knew he was going to make it all the way to being the world champion, but you know what? It was really fun to watch, and uh, I'm very happy for him. I think the business is better for it, and uh, certainly glad to see it happen to a guy like Kofi. I think we all are. Uh, We'll do two last ones here, and then we'll wrap it up for this week. Instagram, a wrestling historian, wants to know, why didn't Sheamus become the face of WWE? Look at the mug on him. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for that uh adam, no. pa- adam parsons wants to know any good stories or memories about the nassau coliseum uh you guys ran that building a few times with the nwa too right we did we did and uh you know new yorkers are a pretty raucous crowd and uh they always came out and supported us the building was usually pretty full all the time and uh it, uh, it was just one of those markets that you knew you were always going to do well. Well, and we know we're going to do well with you guys checking us out every week here on Westwood one. We hope you'll join us and get these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com, where you certainly would have gotten this week's show and next week's show early and ad free. And next week we're giving you guys the keys to the show. You're in charge. It's hashtag ask anything. If you haven't already go hit us up on Twitter. It's at the Arn show. It's a free follow. And you'll be notified whenever we've got an opportunity for you to ask Arn questions again. Until next time, he is at the Arn Show. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Hello. Good morning, Josh. This is Dave Sobel with Save With Conrad. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. So what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, having listened to the podcast for a while, refinancing our home had been something that, you know, we had kind of thought about before in the past, but just never kind of pulled the trigger on. And then finally I said, you know what? I, uh, I listened to the man's podcast enough. Uh, what, what hurt could it do to uh, see exactly what Conrad and his team could do for us? And it's one thing I'm glad we did. Oh man, us too. Um, now I see here that you worked with Derek on your refinance. How was it working with Derek and the team? Uh, Derek and the team were absolutely great. Uh, they answered my questions quickly. You know, were very forthright with everything, very quick to respond, and uh, just made the entire process painless. Wonderful, wonderful. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? We had 22 years left on a 30-year mortgage. Uh, we also had uh, two car loans that we were paying on. So uh, through this process, we knocked uh, we knocked down from the 22 years we had left to a 15-year refi, and uh, we uh, got enough money on top of that to pay off one of the car loans. So not only did we save seven years of paying mortgage payments, but our monthly payments between what we were paying on the mortgage plus the car loan that we paid off, the money stayed the same. So our, our money output at the end of the month stayed the same, but uh, like I said, we saved seven years of mortgage payments. Man, congratulations, dude. That's awesome. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. 
NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.